Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another exciting Minecraft discussion. My name is Kimberly Quinn, your hostess with the mostest, and I am here to help people become the boss of their brain. And as you know, Minecraft is all about becoming the boss of your brain and uh, all the rest of it. We talk about being mindful and being grateful, and we talk about clarity. And today I wanted to pull those all together to talk about how important it is to keep our mind focused on love. And I, I'm, I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking about love as an action word, a verb, just like we talk about, you know, gratitude and, and clarity and any of these other things we're talking about, you know, to be clear, right? It would actually be an adverb, but we're talking about love as a verb, loving and, and, um, thanking and all and appreciating and all that. And so my inspiration uh, for today is Rhonda Byrne. Again, she's author of Magic. She's also author of The Power and also the author of The Secret. And I just, man, I, I was kind of just sifting around and like figuring out what I was going to do. And I read a few power quotes and that's what pulled me into this. So one of them is by Kierkegaard and says when he says, when one has fully entered the realm of love, the world, no matter how imperfect, becomes rich and beautiful. It consists solely of opportunities for love. And Kierkegaard is obviously a philosopher in the early to mid 1800s. And oh, my gosh, that's such a striking quote. And Rhonda says, you know, that's really our main job. And this other thing, I, I, I keep talking about our main job of keeping ourselves full, filled up, right? And how, you know, my dear friend Oprah talks about that too and talks about how, you know, when people say she's full of herself, you're so full of yourself, you're so full of yourself. She says, yes, exactly, I am. I'm keeping myself filled up. Well, part of the keeping ourselves filled up, right, it's, it's because we cannot give what we do not have. When we keep ourselves filled up and focused on love, the cup overflows and we can be loving to other people. So again, the idea is not to talk about organized religion, though you can certainly, if that fits into your belief system, that's fantastic. What I'm really just having a conversation about today is regular, everyday human behavior, being focused on love. And, she, and Rhonda says, you know, your, your job is to love as much as possible every day. So that has me thinking about small things, letting somebody get in front of you in line, right? Um, and then there's all the pay it forward stuff with you and buying somebody a cup of coffee is behind you or whatever, but we're not talking about even money. We're talking about like the, or, or giving in that way. And definitely we are, I guess, but mostly I'm talking about the thoughts behind it, the thoughts behind it. She said, if you can just love and adore everything you possibly can today, look for and feel the things you love and turn away from the things you don't love. And tomorrow's will overflow with the untold happiness of everything you want and love. This is also making me think of um, uh, recent, recently when I was listening to Abraham Hicks, I, I listened to her also a lot. And just waking up with this idea of focusing on love, she also talks about wake up sort of seeking out feeling good, seeking out what feels good, moving towards what feels better to you, what feels good, moving away from what doesn't feel good. And we're not talking about feeling, we're not talking about being shallow how and, ooh, I don't care. I don't want we're talking about know, that inner knowing of this is good for me. This is, this is going to give me a lift today. Spending time with this person is good for me. This lunch choice is good for me. Going outside of my 
my lunch hour is good for me. Moving away from the negative Nellies, moving away from the mindless use of our life minutes, just wasting them. And to really be focused on that because this ties directly into what we're talking about. And then, and then here's another one, Oliver Wendell Holmes, right? He was in the early 18. Wow. He lived a long time. 1809 to 1894. Love is the master key that opens the gates of happiness. Love is the master key that opens the gates of happiness. Apparently he was the dean of the Harvard Medical School. Who knew? I guess a lot of people. Um, I often say that gratitude is also the master key that opens the, you know, the door, the gates to happiness. So that, that isn't any surprise because gratitude is sort of, you know, the highest expression of love there could possibly be. So it, I guess they together are the are the master keys to opening the door to a happier, happier, exhilarating life. And then, you know, this is where they all come together. So love and gratitude. We've been talking a lot about mindfulness, right? And mindfulness, people get confused a lot with other things. Mindfulness is about being awake and alert, present in this moment without judgment as in your as if your life depended on it. That is very paraphrased from John Kabat-Zinn, but that's basically it. So the thing is, love is about being alert and awake. Not, you know, when we're binging on Netflix, or we're zoning out. The, the autopilot thing, we've talked about autopilot a lot, right, in these episodes. Autopilot is the biggest thief of life minutes there could possibly be. So that isn't any different when we're talking about being a loving and kind. And so Rhonda says you have to be alert to feel the love of everything around you right? Because we have to take it in. That makes great sense. You have to be aware of everything that's around you to love. Otherwise you will miss things. You have to be alert to see the things that you love. You have to be alert to hear the sounds that you love. You have to be alert to kept to catch the beautiful smells of flowers as you walk past them. So love is mindfulness too. Love is gratitude. Love is being mindful and being present. She says you have to be alert to really taste the food you're eating and feel the fullness of the flavors. Also true. If you're walking down the street listening to the thoughts in your head, you miss it all. Amen, sister. She is preaching to the choir. I, I was just talking about this with my COG psych students, many of whom took Minecraft, so they, like three quarters of them kind of knew what I was saying. But if, we're, if we are not present in this moment right now, we're missing out on our lives. That's just very plain and simple. That's the facts. If, if you are not present in the moment in your life, engaged, actively engaged in your life, you are missing out on your valuable life minutes, which means you're missing out on your life. And that's just it. You can't get them back. Circle in the drain, never to return. That's, that's the cold, harsh truth. And then she says, and that's what happens to people a lot of the time. Yes, we know that. And, 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 it, and it can be so difficult to stay present in this, in this day and age, which, you know, quite, to be quite honest, I think is very, not just sad, it's tragic. They hypnotize themselves by listening to the thoughts in their head. And so they're in a kind of a trance and they're not aware of anything going around them. That was mega descriptive. I see that trance going on a lot out in the world. I see it on campus with students who um, are looking down at their phones, walking. Sometimes I'll just kind of stand there and wait till they're almost about to bump into me. And they're like, oh, sorry. And hopefully they're getting that. Like you, you're, you're like, you're in that device that's, you know, just make pretend land, missing out on everything going on in campus. And even on a gloomy day, that's bad enough. But sometimes it's 
it's the fall and Champlain College where I teach and where I love it is um, has one of the most gorgeous campuses in the world. I mean, it's just spectacular. It's in New England, obviously, Vermont. And when the leaves turn and the, the Champ- Lake Champlain is there and the Adirondacks are there, the leaves are turning colors and f- like, it, how are you looking at a phone? I can't even figure it out. I'm not trying to judge. I just don't get it. So um, anyway, so this is another thing I, when I was just skimming earlier and I'm, I actually, I know what I was doing. I was working on my book proposal because I'm writing another book right now and I'm so freaking excited I could implode because I just, I get on a writing jacket, I'm in the flow zone. But anyway, I was reading this and I made a note to myself on the margin to, to quote that in my book because mind craft is all about, um, you know, throwing a lasso around the mind or I think of it as we've used this analogy before, like a gorgeous, excuse me, thoroughbred, beautiful, beautiful animal flying around a racetrack. So graceful yet with, with also this magnificence of strength and power and focus. Yet the person controlling this magnificent, this magnificent life force, right. Is like a 92 pound jockey. It's a beautiful analogy for us and, you know, gaining control of the brain because when we let it run off, it's, it's like, it takes on a life of its own and it doesn't usually go anywhere. Good. It's like a rambunctious two-year-old that, you know, so, so Rhonda says this, sometimes your mind can take off like a freight train down a mountain without a driver. If you don't stay in control of it, you are the driver of your mind. So take charge and keep it busy with your instructions by telling it where you want it to go. Amen. Your mind only takes off on its own. If you're not telling it what to do, I could not have put that better myself. Just like the whole thoroughbred thing. If you just let the animal run, no jockey, who would be off and gone. And probably land itself in, in, in harm's way, right? Of course. And then, um, oh, what is this one? Ancient Hindu. T- the mind acts like an enemy for those who don't control it. And that's Bhagavad Gita, the ancient Hindu text. It's hard to read the, her handwriting. Okay, the ancient Hindu text. So the mind, your mind is powerful and a magnificent tool if you can you can use, but you must be in control of it. Rather than getting whether than letting it distract you with out of control thoughts, you want your mind to help you give love. It doesn't take long to train your mind to focus on love. And once you have and once you have, just watch what happens in your life. No question. And so she talks about Rhonda Byrne in her book The Power, talks about you know, ways to do this. And basically her main strategy here is to ask questions throughout the day. Like, let's say you're, you're on your way into work and you park the car, or if you're fortunate enough that you can walk or bike, good for you. And um, I'm walking into Champlain's beautiful campus every day from my car. We live an hour and 10 minutes away, but on that nice walk with a beautiful scenery and everything else, I can just ask myself, what can I see that I love about my atmosphere, right? Thankfully, my eyes work. I can see Lake Champlain and the mountains and the students and the beautiful grounds, the campus. Um, and UVM campus, I have to walk through that, and that's pretty also. I have to say, I think Champlain is way more beautiful, but I'm biased. And it's also, um, it just it's on the lake, and it's just so gorgeous. And what can I see that thrills me, she says. What can I see that excites me? Try asking yourself these questions tomorrow. On your way into work, in the in the car, the train, or the bus, or whatever you're on, then you might be sitting in the most boring, you know, business meeting ever. 
Ask yourself in the middle of the most boring business meeting ever, what about this excites me? Just, you might have to, it might be like pulling a molar, okay? But think about it. You, there might be a person in there that you like. You're thinking about having lunch without even, even mean romantically, or it can be that. Think about, you know, you like the wallpaper, you like the paint, you like the vase that's on a desk. You like what somebody's wearing who's three people away from you. You like that it's going to be over in 20 minutes. You can go on to what you really want to do. But, you know, think about something you're passionate about. Or maybe if the if the meeting truly is that boring, think about whether you choose to be brave enough to say it or not is another thing. But how do you think you could make the meeting far more enticing for everybody in the room and maybe start writing that stuff down carefully, very carefully? You know, if it's too much data, too much numbers, write that down. More human engagement. Maybe Maybe add some humor in. Maybe have a break in the middle. Maybe... Start the meeting off with a, with a gratitude go around it. I mean, I, I do this in every single class I teach. It takes less than five minutes, and that's with, you know, 15 students. So, but probably like three minutes, maybe, unless somebody kind of goes off a little, but they usually don't. Maybe have it be someone's turn each week to look up a good joke. So it's just one joke. Gratitude, then one joke. Something. But you can look, you can actually brainstorm, what do I love what do I love about what's going on in this room? What do I love about what I'm looking at? What excites me? What am I passionate about? What do I love about my own mind and sense of humor that I can come up with these strategies to make meetings less boring? There's all kinds of ways to bring love into your day. And then, of course, the ultimate expression of love is to do something for somebody else. And it doesn't need to be the Peace Corps. You can think during your boring meeting, you might buy somebody lunch you might just ask them to go to lunch. Maybe, you know, just like in middle school, it's grown-up version now. Maybe there's somebody new or maybe he or she or they are not new, but they don't really click with anybody and they're a good person. They're just quiet, shy, maybe. Maybe just ask them to go to lunch, okay? Or, I mean, uh, maybe on the way home, offer to, to do something nice for somebody or just pay it forward in some way. Some little act of kindness. Straighten somebody's desk. Put maybe buy a cheap package of pens, and since we're usually without them, and say, "Here you go." It's, I'm passing out pens and paying it forward. Everybody gets an extra pen today. Um, another fun thing is uplifting affirmations. You can just make them yourself on the computer. You know, you're a rock star. You are kind. You are gorgeous. You are intelligent. You know, and and then start it. Start a, Start a thing. I had a friend at Champlain who did that years ago. Not exactly that. We do the we do the affirmations at Champlain anyway. Um, also, the the I'm here to listen to you stickers, but also I had a friend who did a something something for kindness. Basically, it was sticky notes, and she just like everywhere. So that's another idea. Okay, so so keeping your mind focused on love. Uh, Pascal says, clarity of mind means clarity of passion too. This is why a great and clear mind loves ardently and sees distinctly what it loves. There we go. So the tips are, ask yourself questions all day long. What excites, what excites me? What, what makes me feel passionate? What do I love? What do I love that I'm looking at? Who do I love that I'm looking at? And then all the many ways to do small acts of conscious kindness. And that's it. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day and let it be full of love.